Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the After Timeout Podcast. I want to thank y'all again for tuning in to another episode. This is episode number five. We're five episodes in. Um, I'm slowly starting to create a routine, and I'm actually starting to love it. Um, I actually, Everybody know I love to talk in general, but being able to create a routine where I can talk and possibly make a living off of it is definitely even makes it even more fun. It makes it even more worthwhile. Um, so today's episode, I want to go into particular because we are in, in in the month of July and uh, we are heading into the 4th of July as the release of this uh, episode. We are in the 4th of July. Um, so July is really when most AAU tournaments are beginning to end. AAU season is beginning to end and it's it's wild that I'm saying that most kids off season, like true off season, don't start until August. And even then, in all reality, it shouldn't start till September because you should give the body some rest. Um, you should relieve your body from any strenuous activities, at least for up to two weeks. Um, I believe some kids, man, honestly, some kids are playing more games than NBA players in a whole entire NBA season because of AAU. And, um, I believe um, we, this is what we're going to mostly talk about in this episode, how to structure a proper offseason. Uh, I know a lot of kids, uh, a lot of kids, a lot of players in general has, they start off school in August. They got fall league in August. Then you have conditioning, strengthening, uh, you have conditioning, preconditioning before tryouts. Then you have tryouts. Then you have um, the season. The season goes until, you know, if you're a good team, you're going to go until early March. Um, if you're a decent team, you're going to go until late February. But even then, come February, you got travel ball. Then you got AAU season in the, in the summer. And then after that, you just rinse, rinse, wash, and repeat. Um, so I just want to talk about particularly how to maximize your offseason, how to get the most out of your players at any level. Of course, it's easier when you get to college because – of course, playing in college, uh, you'll know specifically what you need to do. And uh, coming in, upcoming freshmen, I'm going to give you uh, an inside look. I'm going to give you a cheat code of what to expect because most people do bare minimum strictly because they don't know it's bare minimum. So I'm going to give you a little bit of cheat code of how I approach the offseason with some of my players and how we do our offseason plans and how we do this. So. I just want to go over that. So today, like I said, I want to just reiterate today we're going to go over how to maximize your offseason. We're going to give you about eight to ten different things of what to do, how to do, um, how to plan and structure your offseason workout. So, um, yeah, we definitely going to get into it. But before we even get to any of that topic, I want to talk in general about what's lately been going on in the NBA uh, I know that we're more than an NBA podcast. I know that we will be talking a lot about life, basketball, and all the above. We won't just strictly be talking about NBA because that will get bland. And I'm pretty sure it's a dime a dozen um, of those podcasts, YouTube channels, all that, out, all that and above. But I do want to go over the fact that... <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not news anymore. If it is, you've been living under a rock and under that rock. So 
you don't know that KD done requested a trade out of the Brooklyn Nets, it it baffles me for the simple fact of this this reason only. The simple fact that they literally, um, in my opinion, destroyed the culture of Brooklyn Nets because they wanted to do it their way. Um, they wanted to <laughs> to uh, to establish themselves as the guy. Now, I love Katie. I want to reiterate this. I love Katie. I love Katie. I love his game. I love how he approaches a lot of things. And, you know, I don't mind the fact that he, he does engage in social media. I mean, that's why you got the platform for it. It's called social media to be social. So if you get on there and not be social, I don't know why you're on that platform. In my honest opinion, that's just how I see things. But Katie, um, KD them requested a trade, and I believe is not strictly because of what's going on in Brooklyn. Um, I believe they do want to reset the culture in Brooklyn uh, from the upper management. And I'll tell you right now, and I said this in a, a, a episode before, and I said it in what was formerly known as the Off the Court Podcast. The next CBA is going to be a bloodbath. These owners are tired of paying players, and then they just switch up and say they want trades. And then they uh talking about also they just want, like Kyrie in particular, that, you know, he just want a leave, and abs- a leave of absence for seven days and then find out he's at his sister's birthday party, partying it up, and uh, he's still collecting a check from the Brooklyn Nets. These owners are tired. I'm not even, I'm not a billionaire. I'm not a millionaire yet. I uh, just got to say that I'm not a billionaire or millionaire yet, but I do invest. And one thing I know about investing is I want, I want to make as much profit with little risk as possible. And I'll tell you right now, Kyrie is a volatile asset of any, any organization, but especially the Brooklyn Nets. Cause he himself is literally destroyed what the Brooklyn Nets tried to build. Everyone knows that the Brooklyn Nets did not want him. They wanted. Uh, Kevin Durant, but to get Kevin Durant, they signed Kyrie. That was the worst kept secret ever. And now it's rearing his ugly head for the simple fact of how Kyrie decides to handle itself. Um, a lot of times he's literally, um, just destroying teams because Kyrie just don't like being told what to do. And Kyrie also thinks he's a know-it-all, um, I'm strictly talking about basketball. Like I know people are going to think I'm attacking this character. I'm talking about basketball. But the simple fact, when these owners pay you, they pay you to perform and do a job. They're not paying you $36.6 million a year to take two seven-day leaves of absence and not let anyone of the organization know and just leave Steve Nash, Kevin Durant, Joe Harris and all these other guys to answer questions about why you are not there. And they don't even know why you're not there. So Kyrie is literally, man, he, he, he's obliterated a franchise. He's, he's him. Think about this. And I'm going to end it with this and move on to the next thing about this. I want you to think about this all honesty for real. Kyrie, Ben Simmons, James Harden, just those three guys in particular. I'll let you know right now, they are going to headhunt them three in particular in the next CBA agreement when it comes to ownership. Like I said, I invest in in the stock market. You know, I, I have a decent account. 
and I'll let you know right now. Like I said, it's all about risk management. It's all about making profit and making your money work for you. And at this point, you talk about James Harden, who just asked out um, of Houston, quit on Houston. You talk about um, James Harden, who practically saw the writing on the wall with Kyrie and said, I am out. I don't blame him for that one. <laughs> I don't, you know, especially the way Kyrie's been acting. And I feel bad because Kyrie is low-hanging fruit, but he put himself in this position for the simple fact of what he has done. Um, and then on top of that, Ben Simmons, who don't want to play simply because his coach didn't know if he could win a championship with Ben Simmons. And all honesty, that was the right answer because Ben Simmons didn't show up. Ben Simmons is 6'10", 6'11", and he didn't show up. He got outplayed by a smaller guard and Trey Young. And even though Trey Young didn't have the necessarily um, the stats to back it up, Trey Young was doing one consistent thing the whole entire series, adding, applying consistent pressure with his shooting ability, with his ball handling, and the fact that his playmaking is above par. You know, so, um, yeah, like he, like people fail to realize, like applying pressure, being a threat, whether you're scoring or not is always a factor when it comes to playing. Because if you if you if you become a self check, you literally turn the game into four against five, and that's what Ben Simmons did. And um, when you know Doc Rivers said that he got upset and didn't want to play, wanted to sit out, he literally just man, look, he screwed it for all the generations behind him. You know, so for the simple fact of what he did. Uh, I, I can't take Kawhi. I can't um, um, I can't leave out Kawhi as much as I love Kawhi. What he did in San Antonio, um, and how he's just sitting out. Uh, I'm not doubting that he's not injured, but like he's one of those players, and I've heard this. He has to feel 100 percent to play, and I'll let you know right now. Uh, you will not be 100 percent at all, uh, especially later part of the season. So. Uh, I'm glad he's coming back to health, though. Um, but Kawhi Leonard, I can see them using the the San Antonio. But for the most part, no lie, it's going to be the Ben Simmons rule. That's what they're going to call that rule next. It's pay to play. You don't get paid if you don't play. It's just that simple. So that's what I see in the next CBA, and it's going to be a bloodbath. I'm actually more interested to see that in 2024 than any free agency that's coming up when he trade talk with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I'm more interested in seeing that because I really want to see what the terms and the, the new terms and agreements are going to be when it comes to that. But on to other news. Let's get into the juice of the podcast. I haven't talked enough about NBA. I'm going to leave the NBA where it's at unless some other big crazy news happen. Um, but that's going to be probably the last thing I mentioned about the NBA. Um, but let's talk about the off season. Um, I want to talk a little bit about myself when it comes to um, the off season. Um, I can only talk on experiences that I experienced or experiences that, um, that was told like the do's and don'ts don't do this, do that, you know? So I'm going to talk through my experience, but before I even talk through that and before I tell you how to maximize your off season, um, I'm reading this book right now. It's called the atomic habit by James clear. I suggest, I suggest, any and everybody to get that book and to read it. It's a great book. I'm only like 30 pages in and I'm already hooked in, but on, uh, he talks about, um, in the beginning, 
um, how to how it can be the valley of disappointment. It can be, you know, upsetting in the beginning because you don't see any real progress. And that's with anything where you're trying to improve. You don't really see real progress. You know, everybody, we're human beings. We love the fact of instant gratification. Like, there's no doubt about it. We love the fact that we can get something real quick. Um, the Internet and how, how things have evolved, it makes everything just where we can get it right away. We can get instant grits, instant noodles. But he talks about in one of the stories of the um, of the book of the ice cube. And uh, I know everyone heard the phrase 1% better each day, but I use that phrase too. But now I say, let's get one degree hotter every single day. And the reason I say this, because he tells a story about the ice cube, the ice cube can start. um, It pretty much, it can, it can stay frozen uh, at 27 degrees. So he says, you put an ice cream, ice, ice cube. I'm sorry ice cube in a room that's 27 degrees Fahrenheit. And he says that ice cube is still going to be frozen, but you raise that degree to 28. It's still frozen, but the room got a little bit hotter. Then you raise it to 29. You still don't see that. No ice melting. You still don't see anything. Um, then you raise it to 30 still same thing, but the needle is starting to move. Um, then you raise it to 31. Next thing you know, you start seeing the ice sweat a little bit. So you're starting to see progress. Then you raise it up to 32. At 32 degrees is when the ice slowly starts to melt and you start seeing that puddle of water under the ice where it melts. And that's the melting point. All right. And the reason I'm I'm bringing this up is for the simple fact of the off season and how you should approach it. You should get one degree hotter every single every single day. You should get one degree hotter in, in, in your weightlifting. You should get one degree hotter in your shooting, in your ball handling. And the reason I'm saying this before I even talk about um, the things that you should be doing is, for some fact, I want to set the tone and let you understand, and I want you to know the simple fact that you have to get one degree hotter. You may not see inst- you may not see progress at all for the first first week, first two weeks, first three weeks. But if you keep pressing, you keep getting one degree hotter, you will get better. So I want to start uh, start off telling you that story for the simple fact everything is about one degree hotter. Get one degree hotter. Not just 1% better each day, but get one degree hotter. One degree hotter. So when you get to that melting point, everything will everything will add up. It's going to be an overflow of, of everything you expected. So if you get one degree hotter, I promise you, you're going to get better. But with that being said, let's get into the, the juice part of everything. Like I said, we're going to get one degree hotter with this podcast right now. Uh, so I wrote a few things. I was just thinking in general about how you should get, um, how we should maximize the off season and the things that I've done and approached when it comes to how I treated my college players, my kids, and especially my pros. Um, one pro in particular, um, everybody know we work together. It's Bree. We've been together for six years, and um, we kind of we kind of created a routine um, where where we just we wanted her to peak at the right time going into her season. And um, unfortunate injuries, you know, messed her up at the peak of her game, and we're just climbing back into it. So we got to modify a few things, focus a little bit more 
and everything is personal preference of what you need to work on. But you need to add all these things in. You know what you need to work more on, and you know what you need to dial back. But you should be adding every single one of these things in almost, if not every day, four times a week. All right? So the first thing um, that you should be doing in the off season to get better, the first thing is lifting weights. So if you are in high school, high school, if you are high school, you should at least be starting a weight training program. You should at least do weight training at least somewhere in your high school, especially if you're a junior. If you're a junior, you should already know how to lift proper technique. You should know how to lift. You should know rep counts. You should know endurance lift. You should know uh, lifting for strength. You should know lifting for explosiveness because I was taught these things in high school. I was taught these things at a very, very early age, in ninth grade. You know, and I understand um, I had a chance to actually start weightlifting in eighth grade, um, but I didn't do that. I, I don't know. I just didn't do it. Um, it was an after-school program, actually, with Coach Avery. Never forget it. Um, but the first thing you should be doing is lifting weights. You got to take care of your body. You got to take care of your body. Lifting weights is going to prevent injuries. Lifting weights is going to make you stronger, more confident. Lifting weights is going to uh, get you size, size, mass, and athleticism, which, like I said, all this all this goes back into confidence. There's nothing like looking at you, looking at your uh, your body after lifting for two, three months um, and seeing the changes in your body. You get a different type of swag, a different type of confidence. You start hanging, uh, having your head up. You start moving. Like everything changes when you lift weights and your body changes and you see it and you can apply it and you can apply it on the court. It's a total difference. So, but you also got to know what you need to lift. It's some it's some players that need to do more endurance lift just to stay sharp. It's some players that do the need to do maintain lift. Um, it's some who needs to do athletic uh, athletic focused training. It's some who just need to do just strength training. It all depends on what your preference. You know, in particular, you know if you get bumped around, you get moved off your spot. Your main focus should be strength training. All right, so. And, you know, if you're a little bit more less athletic, you should be focused on explosive, almost Olympic-style lifting um, where it's short jumps and short bursts of power um, in your lifts. And me personally, I'll tell you right now, and then we'll move on to the next one. Me personally, the first thing that I always do when I start lifting, no matter no matter what, if I ain't lifting, you know, I, I started back lifting myself. And the one thing I did is go back to my normal routine. My normal routine, when I first start lifting, I start with endurance lift. So I do like three to four sets at a 15 to 20 rep count. So that's what I suggest. So you can learn one proper form. You can get that muscle endurance. And then on, t on top of that, you're going to gain strength. You're not going to gain as much strength when it comes to explosive general strength lifting. But you're still going to gain strength. And the main thing is just about getting your routine your proper technique down pat when you first start back lifting, all right, um, or lifting at all for, as a beginner. And don't be afraid to lift. Don't be looking at other people in the weight room, how they lifting crazy. Focus on you. Lift what you can lift, and I promise you, you'll get stronger and stronger. And then you might start off at the 15-pound with dumbbell, uh, dumbbell bench press. But you keep grinding that 15 pounds a week, Two weeks, it may turn to 20 pounds. Then after 20 pounds, after a week, it may turn to 30. 
And then after that, it may, you know, you grind another two weeks. It may turn to 50, you know. So just focus on you and just try to make progress each and every single time. All right. That's number one of maximizing your off season. Number two is going to be incorporating plyometric, plyometric training and uh, athletic training. So plyometric training is mostly not just box jumps, but it's also lateral footwork. It's also um, lateral jump, lateral bounding, um, start, stop, force absorption. So you want to be able to include that into your, uh, your training because one thing that I put these two together at the first two, you can also, especially on leg day, you can transfer from strength training into applying that into uh, plyometrics. So, you know, I think of it like a rubber band, you know. So after you lift, you you lift and you, you do everything as far as that. Think of your body like a rubber band. Lifting, your body settles like a rubber band. Your muscles get tight, they rip. But when you got doggone jump to that explosive training, think of you stretching that rubber band now. Stretching that rubber band, and when you jump, you explode up, you're releasing that rubber band to where now it's going somewhere uh, far, far away or high, high up in the air, high, wherever you direct it. But I think of it that way. So when you're doing it that way, um, I believe you should do it. You also can do ply your upper body as well um, with uh, push-up, push-push-ups, um, uh, plate, plate push-ups, all right, stuff like that where you have to push up, then explode up off your uh, off your hands, land on a plate into another push-up plank, all right, stuff like that. That's definitely a help. Uh, lateral footwork stuff with any hurdles. Uh, with any uh, ladders that'll work that that's considered plyometric so yeah i definitely definitely uh strongly suggest plyometric because it's also another form of injury prevention all right the next part um is going to be study the game watch old game film of yourself um if you have access to it watch old game films See, don't see just like your highlights. Don't try to look at your highlights and things like that. Actually look at the game. Look at where you missed the the uh, one swing rotation. Look at where you, you missed the read as far as you should have drove it down this alley, you know, or you should have drove and kick it. Or on the defense assignment, shoot, I, I help too hard on the shooter. So when I'm attached to a guy, when I'm guarding a guy who's a dead eye, I should stun a little bit, a stun a little bit shorter and get back quickly so I cannot let this guy get his shot off. All right, I ain't help on this rotation. I didn't sprint back on this on this play because I was upset about not making a layup or or didn't get the extra swing pass. So study the game so you can understand where you can have these advantages. And studying the game, you're gonna hear this a lot. It's gonna help your basketball IQ. It's a lot of players who are talented but don't have an IQ that don't know how to play basketball. They play basketball but don't understand how to play basketball, if that makes any sense. Real ones understand what I'm saying when I say that. So study the game and learn the game so you can understand how to take advantage of dumb players. It's just that simple. There's a lot of dumb players out here. And if you have a little bit of an IQ, you can stand out way, way more than some of these guys who have pure athleticism and, you know, the stuff that everybody sees, the wow factor. So if you have you have a little bit of athleticism without extremely high basketball IQ, I promise you you're going to go far, and a lot of coaches are going to love you. Um, so that's number three, study the game. 
Number four, all right, is let's start cleaning up your eating. You are what you eat. Is I know you heard that phrase before. You are what you eat. So you put in junk, you're going to be junk. You put in life, you're going to give life. It's just that simple. So clean up how you eat. Um, try to eat less. Uh, try to eat out less. Uh, I'm not telling you not to eat out at all. I'm not telling you to to go vegan or go uh, uh, paleo. I'm on a paleo-based diet right now, and I didn't drop 18 pounds um, already in a matter of 12 days. So all I did was just change up my eating. I already sweated a lot. I was already active. I was always uh, already running around. But that just lets you know from my experience, just changing up how I ate, my body adjusted that quick, and I lost the weight doggone immediately. And I still got a lot more work to do, but the fact that I can drop 18 pounds in literally practically 12, two weeks, 12 days, though, you know, that's the last time I measured myself. I, I started off um, started off at 264, and now I am literally 246. Um, so I'm just like, yo, that's that's crazy. So I plan on dropping more. I plan on dropping another 18 pounds in two weeks. Um, so all I did was just change up how I eat, and I'm doing everything that I applied right here, the three before, uh, especially the three before. I started lifting weights. I started doing plyo, and I changed the way I ate. So I changed the way that I ate, I ate, and it just changed. It's changing my body. Trust me, you start eating healthy. You start eating a little bit more clean. Find something, a healthy diet. Um, you don't have to go strictly like vegan or, or vegetarian or paleo or keto, but find something that you can maintain um, and not not uh, not stray away from. So me, I suggest, especially with some of my college guys, go five days eating healthy. You get two cheat days, and that's the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. You get two cheat days. But on Monday, we got to get back on, on the grind, and we got to get back to just eating healthy. Um, I do that because I don't want my players, I don't want my players in general to feel like they're on a military job. So I suggest that you should do Monday through Friday, eating clean, eating strictly clean, um, no cheat meals, anything like that. And then uh, Saturday, Sunday, you can splurge a little bit uh, as far as eating, how you eat, eating a little bit more. Um, you want to get Chick-fil-A, you can get Chick-fil-A. But you can't eat out twice. You know, I forgot to put that. You can't eat out twice. So when you eat, um, when you cheat, um, on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, you can only eat out once though. So you can't eat out twice. So you can't go to Chick-fil-A, you know, to eat breakfast on Saturday and then go to Red Lobster or, uh, Red Lobster ain't that bad. Let's, let's think of something else like Hooters. All right. Go to Hooters and order up a whole big plate of, um, boneless buffalo wings and stuff like that. We try to, I want you to try to, um, incorporate Monday through Friday and just eating healthy, um, those days. And then Saturday, Sunday, eating out once, but you know, you, you can splurge and you can relax and let some of the tension go. All right. So with that being said, that is number three, right? Nope. That's number four, eating healthy. All right. Number five, number five is Get in game shape. So start your conditioning. Start your conditioning program. I always suggest when you're doing it, you should end your workout. You, I suggest either do these two things. End your workout with 10, uh, uh, 5 and 55, which is five down and backs. 
in 55 seconds, so it's 10 touches of the court. Or, you know, I do this. You know, I, I, I do this. I do both, but I'd rather do this one, especially when I'm in better shape uh, or trying to get in better shape. I'll do 10 22s. So 22s is pretty much the same thing. Doing two full down and backs on the court in 22 seconds. So I'll do that, and I'll time it. Um, for the simple fact, I wanna, I just wanna get in shape now. I wanna push past that barrier because I'm also working on my mental shape as well, not just physical shape. So get in game shape, play plenty of three on threes, four on four, five on fives. That also helps you get in game shape. Um, not every day I suggest you do that. At least at at minimum, at minimum twice, twice a week where you're playing three on three, four on four, five on five. And I'm talking about intense games, like games where like we playing the seven or playing the nines, ones and twos, like shot clock on. That's that's how I that's how I envision it. You know, so that way, you know, getting up and down, full court, stretching legs, working on some of the things that you worked on in, in your drill. So getting game shape for sure is definitely number five and definitely one of them. Number six, and now we're starting to get to the to the meat of things. So I know everybody like <laughs> He he ain't say get he ain't say nothing about shooting ball handling and drills. Number six, for sure, is getting shots up. The one thing I've learned about just working with with NBA guys in particular um, this off season, I, I've, I'm working with a, a excellent, great trainer. Um, his name's Key the Trainer. You can follow him on Instagram um, at Key the Key the Trainer K E E T A T T R A I N E R key the trainer. It's just that simple. It's spelled exactly how it sounds. Um, but one thing I learned is just getting up shots and not just spot shots, not just getting on the gun and just shooting shots at a slow tempo. You get to spin the ball, you get to look at it, lick your lips and shoot it. And you're doing that shooting for two and a half hours just to get five, five shots up. I mean, 500 shots up. Um, but the one thing I learned working with him this summer and working with um, how he operates and conducts his pro guys, he gets a lot of shots up in a lot of in a lot of variations away. So I'm gonna explain it to you this way. So I'm gonna give you one of the drills that we do. So we'll do like a we'll do like a pick and roll drill. So we'll have them do a side ball screen. You gotta go side ball screen, come off, get to the nail, and then pull up midi. Boom. Then you'll uh, sprint to whichever corner, let's say he's going, coming off the side ball screen, going left to right. Coming off the ball screen, the ball screen, uh, the ball is in his left hand. But when he come off the ball screen, the ball is in his right hand now. So he's attacking the middle of the floor, the middle of the paint. And he gets to the nail and he pulls up. After shooting that shot, he sprints to the right corner. He gets a catch and shoot three. Then he shakes up to the uh, to the right wing. He gets a catch and shoot three right there, then shake back to the corner, pump fake, sidestep, shot, and then sprint to the other corner, shot. That's just like one of the drills. So you're getting multiple way, multiple shots, and that's just one variation. Of course, we have variations where he step back and off of these uh, shake-ups and drifts. Um, he's handling it off the shake-up and drift, but that's just one of the ways that we do things. So you got five, four to five shots in one drill and you got to make, let's say Will's tell him he got to make eight, you know, eight, he got to make eight uh, to move on to the next one. 
So, you know, or, you know, some a little challenging. All right, so this is one of the drills, and then I'm going to move on. I'm just giving you a little bit of a little bit of free game of some drills that you should add. Um, one drill that we do in particular is we do a drill where they have to make three straight, but in order to count, it has to be nothing but net. So you're talking about pressure. You're talking about being consistent. Um, even though you're making shots, it's like, nah, it got to drop straight through the net. So you got to make, well, we don't go three straight, but we go like, you got to make three, three, uh, nothing but net. So we'll do that or we'll do another one. And it's the last one, I promise you. And then we're going to move on to the next one, uh, where, all right, now we're getting shots up from the three point line. All right. You got to go 10 for 13. You go, if you, you don't go 10 for 13, you got it down and back. Well, you don't go 10 for 13. Uh, you start back one spot, you go back, uh, one spot, you know, we got to do that for seven spots. So each, each spot, he has to go 10 for 13. Um, so that's, that's just one of the things that we do. Some of the things that we do, some of the things that I've learned not to just get shots up, but mix it up in, mix it up in drills and not break them drills up. Sometimes you can collide and, and, and mesh two or three drills and it makes a solid drill to get that player one in game shape and two get shots up. See how everything is congruent. <laughs> All right. So the next one is get proper sleep. I think that's an underrated one where people don't sleep. Uh, players don't sleep enough. Players are operating off of two, three hours of sleep. Um, I'll tell you right now, um, as a person who does, who does that, that gets three, four hours of sleep max, for the past six months is not fun. And a lot of times, um, a lot of times I have to psych myself up to, to get the energy. I'll let you know right now, you know, your bar, you know what you need. I know in particular me personally, all I need is five hours, five hours. I'm good. If I get six, eh, if I get seven, eight, I feel sluggish. I have no energy. I'm dead. Like I'm, I'm just a walking zombie. I don't, I don't feel fresh. So, me personally, if I suggest anything, um, five to seven hours of sleep, I just know for me, five hours is my, my hit point. If I get five hours, I'm good. Um, so you should know your body. You should know how much, you sh- how much sleep you need and definitely start getting some proper sleep. Sometimes mixing that night, that night out can do wonders for you in the long run. Sometimes not playing that game as long can do wonder for you in the long run. So, you know, definitely try to get, uh, as much proper sleep as possible. So, uh, that's number seven, right? So, yeah. So, yeah. So the next one, um, nah, that's number seven, eight, eh, one of those two. I don't, I don't know. I, I lost track. <laughs> All right. The next one is, um, starting adding, and this is just like little bonus things. Um, at this point, that was number eight. Um, I will say start adding the six, primary basketball movements to your training. Um, and this is kind of coincide with, with weightlifting. Start adding those, uh, the six basketball movements. And I'm sorry, I'm looking down because I wrote this on paper. The six basketball movements that you should be working on every single day is sprinting, backpedaling, defensive slides, pivots, squat jumps, and lunges. That's one thing, like, you should be adding those, one, to your weightlifting program. You should be adding those to your ball handling and uh, uh, um, shooting program. 
anything on the court work, you should you should be adding backpedaling, sprint, defensive slides, and of course pivot work. Is it's so many kids out there, so many players, men, women, and children with bad footwork. So definitely work on your pivots, um, coming in and out your pivots and stuff like that. And also I forgot squat jumps. Squat jumps, where you're coming from uh, a seated position or a semi-seated position and being able to be explosive vertically and laterally. So definitely work that. All right, number nine, number nine. We're almost done there. Number nine, I want you to start working your ball handling and decision-making. All right, there's plenty of drills where you can work decision-making and ball handling. Um, definitely. And, and let me tell you right now, ball handling is the offense ultimate confidence builder for the simple fact when you have a tight handle and you can get anywhere on the court you are the most valuable player on the court for the simple fact you can set up plays and you can set players in positions that they wouldn't be able to normally but you can set them up in positions to score to get open shots simply off your ball handling because you create with your ball handling all right so definitely work ball handling I done told you already about getting shots up, so you should definitely be mixing in ball handling with shooting. All right? So the last thing, the last thing, the last thing, number 10, and this is just two bonuses right here. Number 10, last thing, seek mentorship. All right? I just added that one in. I actually had something different, and all it was was get more shots up, but, Number 10 was seek mentorship, seek a coach, seek a, a, a older player, a player. You know, we definitely have the access all around, all around now, Instagram, everywhere. So you, you got access to seek a mentor, seek a mentor, someone who's been there, done that, and just pick their brain. This is somewhere where you can literally ask them about a weightlifting program. You can ask them about how to incorporate proper plyo. You can ask them to watch film with you. You can ask them to get shots up with you. You can ask them to help you with your ball handling. You can ask them to do these things. And most mentors, a good mentor, will do these things with you. So I'm telling you right now, man, the, the, I think that's the biggest thing right there. Find a great, find a good, not a good mentor, find a great mentor that can tell you not only about how to improve your game on the court, but how to improve your game in life. You know, so that's the biggest thing because, I'm telling you right now, that ball is all. That ball one day is going to stop bouncing. But when you got that great mentor in your life, and you apply these hard working, these hard working components, is nothing that you cannot do. For the simple fact, you know what to do to get better at basketball. Now you have to figure out how to get better at life using these same principles, using these same logics. Um, and basketball is life. I'll tell you that right now. Basketball is life. You play as you live. I tell players that all the time. You play as you live. I can tell when a player is lazy in life because he's lazy on the court. I can tell when a player is not going to uh, complete that defense assignment because he's not going to complete the uh, written assignment that he has to be turned in the next day. So these things, these little things, life transfer into ball. I, I promise you. I promise you, I ain't believe it at first until I actually start becoming a coach and start understanding and knowing these things. So life imitate art for sure. Um, but these 10 things, man, these are the 10 things to maximize your season. 
your offseason. Let's go over these things one more time. Let me pull the handy-dandy paper out, um, have it out in front of me. Um, all right, so number one should be lifting weights. Get stronger, get faster, get more athletic. Number two, you should be incorporating plyo. Get more explosive, get more twitchy, get great footwork laterally and vertically. Number three, study the game, meaning watch film, understanding how to uh, to get better, not only from your perspective, but also learn from other players as well by watching film. Number four, eat clean and healthy. So don't splurge on that, that McDonald's. Don't eat McDonald's every day. Don't eat Chick-fil-A every day. Eat. You are what you eat. So start uh, applying more healthy uh, foods into your body so you'll be able to uh, perform at a peak uh, peak capacity. Number five, get in game shape by playing three-on-three, four-on-four, five-on-five. Do sprints every single day. Run a mile every other day. Um, these are things that you can do. Number six, get shots up. All right, so number six, you definitely want to get shots up. You definitely want to shoot off the dribble, catch and shoot, relocate, uh, spot up shots, uh, shots off the um, off the move, floaters, things like that. Number six, get proper sleep. Only you know how much you need to sleep. Some people need six, eight hours. Some people need four or five. So figure out what's your great your 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 tipping point. What's your key that that hit the spot sleeping point so you can get the proper sleep number number nine add these six basketball movements to your weightlifting program in um into your uh to your uh your plyo which is sprint backpedal um backpedals defensive slides pivots squat jumps and lunges add those things into them and last but not least number 10 is find your mentor someone who can help you not only become a better basketball player, but become a better man, become a, a better woman um, from their mentor and from, you know, their past experience. So these are the 10 things to maximize your offseason. I want to thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. I hope I didn't talk your head off. I hope you learned something new today. So we definitely going to get up again in this next Monday. I'm, I'm letting you know right now, I'm dropping an episode every Monday. So that's going to be the routine. We're going to drop it at the beginning of the week. We're going to get to it. We're going to bop. We're going to work. So be ready to to hear these episodes every Monday at 6 a.m. I'm dropping them at 6 a.m. We're going we gonna to drop them early. I may even drop them earlier than that. But I want to thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. And I'm mad because nobody told me my lips was ashy from the side so i'm mad y'all wrong but i still love you peace love happiness i'll see y'all in the next episode love y'all peace